fantasy fans, and welcome to Swords and Satire, the podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel. My pronouns are he and him, and my face is numb from having some fillings done. (laughs) And I am here with my stellar co-hosts. Nice. So appropriate. My name is Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them. And today I am a star that's just like chilling out there in the universe. Hell yeah. And uh, I see some humans fly by me every once in a while. Oh, that at least that keeps it interesting. Kind of weird. I didn't think they could survive out here. I don't know how they're going so fast, but... Yeah, I don't know if the human body is actually capable of surviving, what, light speed travel? Faster than light travel? I heard some gossip on the star grapevine that, uh... (laughs) The star grape. They're coming from a place called Earth. Uh, Maybe things are changing over there more than, uh... I realized. No, no, it's mostly just the same old shit here. Yeah. It sounds a lot like a horrifying jump scare to see humans appear at faster than light speed. They definitely look stunned about it. Yeah, but Um, you're not stunned. No, I'm just kind of like hanging out here, growing, giving off, you know, vital molecules to the universe. Just vibing. Thank that makes you, sense. Thank you for your service. Yeah. Now, yeah, you know. How does that pay? What? Anyway. <laughs> I'm Chloe, sometimes Jack. Oh. And my pronouns are any and all. And I am a uh, primordial gender chaos. Oh, very oh. nice. That is just, you know, constantly just fluctuating and exploding. Sounds like a really creative space. It is. I can dig that. That's one of my favorite spaces. Nice. <laughs> you know, that's what the the chasm that gave forth life is all about. It's a creative space, that chaos. We came there out of a go. chasm? Yeah. I thought we came out of Ganunga Gap. Same thing. Some Wait, that is a chasm. <laughs> Some sort of crevice. <laughs> So anyways, this week we're talking about Stargate. Yeah. That was seamless. (laughs) (laughs) So this is a Roland Emmerich film from 1994 that uh, listeners might not be surprised if you've listened to our show for a while. I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater on opening day. Wow. wow. I'm pretty sure my uncle took me, possibly and or my brother and or my other uncle, because we used to go to all the sci-fi action movies when they came out. Cool. Saw Independence Day, saw this one, uh, Mission Impossible. Codependence Day. (laughs) When? (laughs) (laughs) And like every good movie should, this movie stars Kurt Russell and also James Spader. Right. In that order? Uh, I think Spader's got a bigger part, but Russell is the one that I'm going to highlight. That makes sense. Well, why don't we tell him a little bit about what happened in this here dang Stargate? Yeah, it's probably a good idea. I think we've got a nice summary ready to go.
we've got an archaeological dig, and wouldn't you know it, what are they pulling up by a bunch of ropes? It's a Stargate. You find them everywhere. They're just laying about. But the important thing to know is that European people are grabbing those artifacts to, you know, help out. Yeah. Cut to 60-something years later, those same European immigrants still have those wacky artifacts. But yeah. now America has the Stargate. Yeah, the little girl who's like just walks up to a tent where people are like cleaning artifacts, just grab the necklace off the table, walks off with it. You know, you know how you do. This is mine. Fuck it. I'm white here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The people around are just like, I, I guess we gotta let her have it. I don't know. The Stargate is a, a stone metal portal with different astrological symbols that they need to hire a university reject to figure out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking got him. That's Daniel, and he does figure it out, and they travel to a planet that's many light years away. Wow. <laughs> In like a second. Yeah. At a speed that should liquefy their bodies. But it, the portal uh, luckily breaks them down molecule by molecule and then reconstitutes them on the other planet. Oh, no. I love the use of the word luckily there. <laughs> luckily, it de-atomized them. Jesus. They find a group of people that have been turned to slaves by an alien who they say created the Egyptian culture back on Earth and who has enslaved humans on a different planet to serve them. Oh, no. And that alien's name? Ra. Ra! <laughs> like the god Ra. Ra comes... He is not happy that these white folks have shown up to steal his property slash slaves, liberate his slaves, something. Yep. And, you know, he just decides he's going to wage a little war against Kurt Russell and James Spader and, like, their troop of the American military. Yeah. He feels like humanity's civilization only exists because of his alien influence. He says, you've come here to stop me. That's cringe. I'm going to go back to Earth and I'm going to show him who's in charge. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to send back a bomb that Kurt Russell brought to blow up the Stargate on that end. And Ra wants to send it back through the portal. It's just a little nuke. A little classic American bit of we're going to bomb you. Now you're going to bomb us. No fair. We're going to bomb you. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is modern politics in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, basically, Daniel and Jack, who is Kurt Russell. Well, I call him Kurt. Um, we named the monkey Jack. <laughs> they outsmart Raw, basically, and blow him up when he's trying to escape in his... A pyramid ship. Granted, that's a classic way to go. Yeah. That's how I want to go. Uh, they figure yeah. out how to get back to Earth through the Stargate, and then they're just like, see you later, buddy, because Daniel's going to stay back on the other planet. Yeah, he found a um, native woman that he wants to live with. Oh, there's so many gross parts of this movie. Yeah. That's right. It was love at first. She was gifted to him. Oof. Oh, God. 
All right, anyways, that's our show. Uh, <laughs> no, you can't get out of it that easy. Okay, fine. Then I guess we better just head into the delve. Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of Stargate. So, guys, I got a bone to pick with the premise of this movie. You've got a what? You're picking up what? <laughs> so, in olden times, I believe like the 1960s. Find Deloria Jr. Jr. was like, archaeology sucks. There was this guy... Named Eric Von Donkian. Donkey. And he wrote this book called Chariots of the Gods that was all about how there's just no way in heck that all these advanced non-European civilizations could have possibly had, like, cool advanced technology and pyramids and, like, culture and all this stuff. So what was his explanation? The only logical <laughs> choice, using Occam's razor... He decided that all of the ancient civilizations here on Earth that came from non-European countries, of course, must have been influenced by aliens coming to Earth and, like, giving their technology to the people. Why didn't they leave any rocket ships or rail guns or laser swords? Uh, you know, uh, maybe he would expand on that in one of the sequels. Um, that sounds like a racist elephant to me. I feel like we besmirched the good name of elephants far too often on this show. <laughs> Can you remind us what episode the elephants became racist on our series? <laughs> uh, let's see. Episode one was Conan. Um, uh, I, oh, it was probably during problematic uh, love story no, month. No? It was Gremlins. They're the racist, racist elephant, elephant in the room. Yeah, somebody, you said there's an elephant in the room, and I was like, that thing is racist. And then we started talking about the Sri Lankan PTSD elephants, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And we have a new update to that story. Oh, God, we do? Yeah. The woman that elephant was gunning down. Yes. <laughs> the elephant just shows up with a machine gun, spray and pray. This is how smart elephants are. She was related to some people who had murdered some of that elephant's herd, like, previously. Oh, my God. Years before. And she was, like, connected to that massacre somehow. And... They knew about it, and they, like, hunted her down. Listen, the moral is, don't fuck with elephants. We need to teach elephants that the cycle of revenge <laughs> is blind, and how an eye for an eye leaves the world tuskless. <laughs> yeah, the sad thing about a lot of people today is they know half of like an expression and they always forget that the other half is the thing that tells you not to do the thing that they are doing. Yes. It's like, Oh, well, you know, we can't do anything to change the systems when there's just like a few bad apples. It's not like a few bad apples are going to spoil the whole bunch. And I'm like, that's the fucking saying. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Also the sour grapes thing. That was a parable about how if, 
you can't get something, you just go, no, nah, it's good. It was probably bad anyways. Huh. Yeah, it's been grossly misunderstood. So basically, the fact of the matter is, throughout history, nobody learns anything. <laughs> We're doomed. Here's Stargate, okay? So, Von Donkian, right? He writes this book, and people will often try to say that when leftist podcasts, or just leftists in general, are saying that something is problematic or racist, it's a big fucking deal, and oh, aren't you guys just being too sensitive? The ancient alien thing is literally the idea that no non-white culture could have possibly had advanced civilizations. That is, by definition, a racist colonialist point of view. Exactly. So come at me. It's true. When we look at a lot of uh, wonders of the ancient world, the pyramids especially, people like ancient astronaut theorists yes. will look at that and say, we don't know how they did that. Which is bullshit. So there's no way they could have done it. Right. Without help. From something greater. And the same people will compare those pyramids to pyramids that were created by other cultures and be like, see, they couldn't have done this on their own. Something was influencing them on all the continents, like the Aztecs or the Mayans. And it's like, bro, they were making a mountain out of stone bricks. Yeah, I was going to say, like, hey, what's the easiest way to, like, build up? You get a little bit smaller when you get to the top. Yeah. So you don't have to carry such heavy stones up to the fucking top. And they're, they, like, totally ignore the archaeological evidence of there being a progression to that point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> archaeologically speaking, there are literal precursors, like underground burial tombs yeah. that the Egyptians made that we have well-documented historical evidence about. And then in, it in, wasn't just one thing. It was in cliff sides, and they would be kind of honeycombed in the cliff side. But no, aliens. That's right. It really discounts the idea that humans can, like, learn <laughs> and figure things out. Yeah. Because, like, look at all the advancements we have around us today. Like... People just sort of figured out how that worked. Yeah. And a lot of the a lot of that is in huge part thanks to non-white people. <laughs> yeah, it turns out people just kind of like make shit. And I'm an anthropologist, so you know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> so in Cass and my house, we have two underlying principles that we kind of as anthropologists understand the world through this lens. Yeah. Cass's is that people be complicated. Yep. And mine is that people make shit. That's it. I mean, that's that's all you need to know. We, yeah. we figure it out. We have thoughts and dreams and ideas. And we also will, like, get bored and slap together a couple of rocks and make, like, a bolo. And then, like, slap a rock on top of a different rock. And all of a sudden, you've got, like, a telephone made of rocks. Um, I think there's a few more steps in there, but you yeah. get, the, get the general point. If there's a need, life finds a way. Yeah, you like you get a spear, <laughs> and then you put a clock on it, and you got a spear clock, and then that's how you get steampunk. <laughs> You're absolutely right. But when it comes to European or Western countries looking at non-European or Western cultures and seeing the works that they've made, 
I have seen episodes of a show called Ancient Aliens. I see. And what is this show about? Well, we discussed it in an archaeology class I took one time. Our professor said on day one, do not ever in my class say that aliens are responsible for the construction of any anything in history. I really hope you are going to say the professor said all of human history is thanks to aliens class dismissed. Yes. That show is on the history channel too. Yes it is. Yeah but history is in quotation marks. (laughs) Boy I'm recycling jokes from like 10 years ago here. Let me tell you about Fox News. If we're looking at a lot of northern Europe. Yes. It was it was struggling a little bit. Sure. Throughout history. It's cold up there. Compared to many parts of the world. China for a long time was a really thriving, very ancient civilization that was huge and very wealthy. Yes. The Ottoman Empire was wildly rich, very old, educated. rich culture, educated. They had eye surgery, they did. That's right. Cataract surgery. Oh, yeah, where they used the... Uh, they used a suction. Suction to suck the cataracts out of your eye? Yeah. With like a stone syringe? Just no. Plug a Capri Sun <laughs> straw right into that sucker. <laughs> and there were also like, you know, multiple African civilizations hugely rich great zimbabwe yeah massive uh-huh. trade empires then we look over and like the americas there were the native american civilizations which had like mastered astronomy over the years yeah and there were the mound builders or what is in the area that is now part of the u.s uh and then in south america and the central america there were the aztecs and the mayans and the inca yeah That's right. And so there were these cultures all over the world, which for a long time were thriving a lot more than Europe was. So why did the aliens go all over the world and not just choose one place to send their technology? Uh, I'll tell you. (laughs) You know an easy way not to suffer anymore? Steal that shit from other people. Europe got really lucky by living in the northern Atlantic and having a very fast oceanic current route to take them to the New World. Yes. True. Where their diseases could conveniently genocide a population. Oh, Fuck. And the land was just free real estate for the spice trade. Look at all this unclaimed land. Isn't that so quirky? And so <laughs> when white people were able to stop being enslaved as much in other parts of the world, they said, hey, let's enslave them back. Ooh, yike. And then the spice trade happened and made Europeans really rich because they could go to the New World and other parts of the world really easily on boats. I mean, granted, I do like spices. That's right. And so Europe, which had a grudge, (laughs) I... (laughs) Uh, Long-standing grudge against everyone and also itself. That's right. Had just become dramatically wealthy. And a military powerhouse began to just oppress the rest of the world in a lot of different ways and began to feel very superior. Beat back the Ottoman Empire out of Spain. That's right. And apparently that's just uh, the way history is supposed to happen, according to a lot of people. 
Yeah, and then, uh, you know, money became a giant thing, Protestantism, Catholicism. Anyway, all of this to say, when Europe came into power, they were not very nice with it. (laughs) And they used it very negatively against a lot of non-white cultures. And as a result of that history, we get the film Stargate. That's right. There you go. And so all of this colonizer mentality is kind of informing the entire premise of this movie. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to give the concept of the film the benefit of the doubt. Like, for making a movie, aliens come to Earth to do a thing is a fun premise if you just take it as a silly action film. Where the issue comes in is that it is rooted in this idea that people genuinely believe that aliens are responsible for many of history's great creations. And I I wish that we could just have fun, silly media sometimes where it doesn't have to get like wrapped up into all this stupid ethnocentric bullshit where people just ruin the fun by taking it seriously and being like, well, it's actually like true. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause when watching ancient aliens, it can be like fun and silly to see like, Oh, that now there are some like cool correlations that can be made. However, it comes from a very bad place. There was a piece of evidence I saw one time evidence that they put forward as evidence where they took a renaissance painting of a woman, right? Okay. Just a renaissance painting of a woman looking toward the canvas. Okay. They, in Photoshop, cut the image in half. Oh, no. Reversed it so it was mirrored. One half was mirrored on the other side. Did she look like an alien? And they said, doesn't she look like an alien? And then they inverted the colors and were like, what about now? All right, guys. (laughs) You've won me over. Now I believe it. There you go. No, but here's the thing. That's the problem. Stargate in a vacuum is a fun concept for a movie. But to me, as an anthropologist, it's impossible not to see this real-life belief that the only explanation for things in throughout history that like an individual doesn't understand is that aliens had to bring it here. Right. And what we're talking about specifically from the film is when they show the Stargate being discovered alongside ancient Egyptian artifacts in the excavation. And then later on, they show the story of the alien um, in the hieroglyphs on the other planet. And in that story, it is described that that alien, Ra, brought his technology to Earth and then spawned the Egyptian civilization. Yeah, because like, okay, I'm a big fan of the Thor comics, right? It's the same premise, but... It's just connecting them to the gods, not to, like, creating the culture. Right. So I just wanted to be clear, like, specifically, that's what we're talking about from the movie. Yeah. Like, this idea that aliens gave Egyptians their civilization 
That's the problematic part. The idea that, like, maybe aliens were the gods themselves. Okay, sure, like, you can have a little bit of fun with that, and Marvel has been doing that also since the 60s. Yeah. But it becomes more troubling when the idea is like, well, it's the only way to explain how these people could have possibly advanced beyond other people. Exactly. That's right. Rather than just, like, being smart and trying. People of all skin colors have the same level of intelligence. People who do not speak English are still just as smart as people who do speak English. Usually more intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking got us. They're untainted by the mad corruption. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure thoughts are a lot clearer in other languages. Shit. I before E, except after C, except in like every single one of these examples where that is not the case. Yes. English is a cursed language. So it's just like... Maybe it is a curse. Look at the parts of your own culture that might be keeping you from, like, seeing other humans as, like, just as good as yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're all equal across the planet as humans. True. And I think on that note, Chloe, you had some points you wanted to talk about. Yes. That's right. I wanted to talk about how this film makes non-white people look less than human. Yeah. Oh, no. It's getting worse. There's a hierarchy of cultures, basically. That's right. Uh, Cultural evolution. Another bullshit part of my discipline of anthropology that we have sloughed that we have sloughed off but many people still cling to that's right well it starts out by finding the stargate in an ancient egyptian excavation isn't that so cool that egypt only existed as an ancient culture right right crazy that it's not there anymore yeah anyway wild And, uh, you know, it was just free for the taking. Yeah, that's right. And in maybe one of... Uh, one of Stairs in Mark Antony? Yes. This could be one of the more realistic portrayals that an Egyptian specialist is a white person. However, there are also many Egyptian Egyptian specialists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because that... Egyptologists. Culture, that's right. Egypt is still a living culture and a That's living right. people. That's right. But they are not uh they are not represented from the main cast. Yeah, but this movie was filmed in Arizona and California. It's so like what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right? I definitely didn't go to an Egyptian exhibit within the last 2 months and meet an Egyptian expert from Egypt. <laughs> oh, you Oh, you didn't. That's too bad. Crazy. Yeah. I would have loved that experience, the Ramses exhibit, great time. <laughs> but no one in the main cast is Egyptian. But they use the Stargate to go to this new planet where they find an existing Egyptian population. Basically, yeah. Yeah, they were people who had lived in Egypt. So it's kind of like, yeah, a neo-Egyptian culture, yeah. I mean, now if you think about it, they're kind of like aliens. <laughs> you know, they are, but from Earth on this other planet. Exactly. And so Daniel is looking through some of their hieroglyphs at one point. He's looking at some of their uh, writings, some of their stories, and he says, oh, Your language is basically ancient Egyptian, but it's just changed a little bit over a couple thousand of years. You know, 
like a language. <laughs> yeah. Funny how that happens, how language evolves sometimes. That's weird. Modern English is like a newer version of old English. <laughs> Yo, that's lit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. But these are not the things that make this the worst offender. When Daniel and the other white characters, because there are black soldiers that come with them, but they are not the main characters. No. They are the main characters are James Spader and Kurt Russell. That's right. And so when the white American soldiers... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> and yeah. a scientist who is an expert in these people's culture, who is not from their modern related culture, which would have been so much fucking cooler if a modern Egyptian scientist had come to this planet. Yeah, true. Probably have a lot to say about how his people had been or how like his ancestors had been kidnapped to an alien planet <laughs> this is cringe <laughs> uh so daniel and the uh, and the other white american soldiers show up they are seen by the native population then what does the native population do they bow they right. instantly bow yeah and you're like oh because ra is this alien being who oppresses them ra is not white no Ra, is, Ra looks Egyptian. Ra possesses Egyptian people. He looks like them. Ethnically Egyptian people. Yeah. And so, why they're bowing to white people who show up, who knows why? <laughs> it's an assumption on the part of the creators of the movie. That's right, because it, there's no reason they should assume that these people are gods. They do not look like they're gods. Yeah. No. So, they just start bowing all in reverence. And uh, the natives, they they speak a little bit, and I don't know if it's based on any actual language, because they don't really talk to each other aside from very brief sentences, which are not translated. Yeah. And everyone is always horrified or curious about these newcomers in a very, like, childlike way, yeah. but also a very just... I'm going to say it just very offensive way because they're scared in a way that like not even children are scared. They like seem this. ignorant and superstitious. That's right. They're an oppressed people. And it's equated with them having an oral tradition and not having a writing system. That's right. The written language is forbidden by right. their God because uh, education led to too much, uh, too many issues for an oppressor. Yeah. Right? Uh-oh, my people are beginning to learn, and that's making it hard for me to do whatever I want. Right? Yeah. Anyway, the natives bring in Daniel and the soldiers. They give them their local food. Yeah. Daniel... James Spader's character says, like, mmm, tastes like chicken. Yeah. And then the, the natives don't understand, but they're trying to listen. He's like, you know, chicken. And he's, like, gesturing the food to his mouth. He's like, chicken, buck, 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 buck. And he starts waving his oh. arms like wings. Oh, it, it hurts. Yeah. When we were watching that, I was just like, oh, my God, kill me right now. He's like, 
chicken, mmm, chicken, and doing the buck, 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 and then all the natives start doing it back and going buck, 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 and waving their arms like wings. Yeah, it's this idea that they just kind of like mirror or mimic what they see from these white colonizers, basically. That's right. And so, yeah, but the natives, they are watching. Yeah. They're watching James Spader going, buck, 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 tastes like chicken, and they're doing it too. Meanwhile, they're barely talking to each other, and when they are, there's a lot of conflict. Yeah. Yes. But so, like, I liked your reaction in the moment because he was doing that while he was talking to their leader. Yeah. And you were like, oh, so what do you think is going on up here and gesturing to, like, your brain? Yeah. It's like, I am a human adult. Like, I understand things. Like, this is something you would do to a child, right? Yeah. Maybe. Probably not even. Probably not. Even a kid would be like, what is wrong with you? You do it to be silly, right? Silly and funny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an Arrested Development bit. It is, it is. Have any of you ever heard what a chicken even sounds yeah, like? Yeah, like... I don't have one, I'm sorry. That's so good. God, was Arrested Development making fun of Stargate? It kind of feels like it, but yeah. They, they always say when you're talking to someone who doesn't speak your language very well, don't speak really loud and like slow, like assuming they are incapable. Right. right. I mean, yeah, slow down your speech if you're a fluent speaker, just like I would need if I was trying to like understand a language I only know a bit of, not like slow in a condescending right. Or a patronizing way, just like not as rapid fire as I speak my native language. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. The way the white American characters act towards the others is definitely patronizing and condescending. Now, here's the thing. That is how people act. Is this movie just replicating reality? I think it... it like People suck, is my point. I don't think they suck that much. <laughs> Maybe not. What what I think is the most, like, one of the most upsetting parts about this is what I'm trying to say. The white American characters are not assuming competence of the natives. No, not at all. No. Who who are portrayed as, like you said, overreactive, naive and innocent. Well, they're helpless. Impressionable. That's right. They... They're helpless, oppressed people, but there's no reason they should be worshipping these white people who come. Uh, there's a scene where uh, Russell. Crow. Uh, Kurt. Jack. Where where Kurt Russell's character, Jack, uh, he like lights a lighter to show one of the kids like, oh, yeah, I have this lighter. And the kid, like, fucking, like, dives for cover when he's... And then he... he they're, like, aren't they standing by a torch? There is a, a lit fire lamp right next to him. And when the actor comes back in the room, like, gingerly, like, oh, I guess it's safe. He darts his eyes over to the fire that's just, like, part of the atmosphere, the environment that he comes from, and then back to Kurt Russell. So it's like, even the actor knew something was size. I don't <laughs> think he was supposed to do that, but he was like, yeah, I I know what fire is. 
This is a culture with fire everywhere. Yeah. And then, so he lights a lighter and he fucking like, ju- like effectively jumps off a building you to kill himself. Is? You know what that is? That's being portrayed as like a non-human animal. Yes. Also, like, don't these people know that Rob brought them here on a fucking spaceship or through a Stargate or something? Like their ancestors. I, I don't know exactly how to describe this. Aesthetically, the locals are made to look like less evolved. How do you mean? I, 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 again, it's kind of subtly offensive in a way that I don't know how to say. They're made to look stupid. Sure. Like, they, ha- oh. I think they have, like, the big brow ridge with, like, the unibrows. And they're, like, wearing fur, like, just, like, one single fur across the body. I suppose, to say it, they are made to look like cave, pe- cave people. Like, okay. the depiction of a caveman. Some of them are for sure, not all of them. The kids. And it's also uh part of the subtlety of it is it's in their nonverbal communication style. Subtlety. Yeah. So it's yeah. in it's in their body language and their facial expressions. That's right. They move yes, and they barely talk. It isn't until two thirds of the way through the movie that the natives speak and subtitles appear. When they're speaking to each other, and then you get, like, a humanizing moment for them, yeah. Then they start acting like people. Yeah. And by that, what I mean is they start talking in full sentences with each other, instead of just, like, a few words in, like, a really rushed, desperate tone. And in the story, that's the point when they've decided decided to resist and fight back against Ra. That's right. What's the Bechdel test, but for racism instead of sexism? (laughs) The Stargate test. (laughs) Well, I guess this movie eventually passes it Mm -hmm. if they start talking to each other. They do start talking to each other, like actually doing things that affect the plot, resisting. Yeah. It is such a bad look. (laughs) Yeah, the like primitive brown people trope. Yeah. Really, really doesn't look good in any film. It looks especially bad in the context of this movie. And then it's a white savior movie. Well, yeah. Immediately after. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we literally just got another Avatar movie. Like, this has not gone away. Yeah. I know. Also, I mean, the way that Fern Gully is proto-Avatar, I feel like Stargate is also kind of proto-Avatar. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And there are a lot, there are a lot more nuances to it. Like the dehumanization of the brown people, just making them seem way lesser than uh, there. I'm sure there's a lot more I forgot, way more nuances that I'd love to hear about. But I think there was another point you wanted to get to. Well, guys, this movie has got some problematic elements to it, but you know, it has significantly less problematic elements to it. I hope. What's that? It's our show. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness. And the way we are able to make our show is through the generous support of our listeners on Patreon. Oh, thank God for them. Thank Raw for them. That's right. I'm not thanking that ass. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're enjoying the show and you want to throw a little bit of support our way, you can head to patreon.com slash swords and satire and sign up to give us a small monthly donation that helps us keep the show going. 
We would really appreciate that support. And you get some fun stuff in return, like some art and bonus episodes. Yeah, it's true. I keep telling them we give away way too much for free. We got to put something behind the paywall. That's right. Some of our silliest, wackiest moments are behind that paywall. It's worth it. Plus, you'd be supporting the show. You'll get some hee-hee-ha-has from that. Such big belly laughs. You'll be in pain. You'll be (laughs) guffawing so loud that your neighbors will be deeply concerned. You'll be in stitches. You might frighten people on the street as you burst into laughter while listening to them. You'll be standing in an empty room, screaming into the silence with laughter. That's me every day. (laughs) All right, but hey, why don't we finish up talking about Stargate? So there's scientists in this movie, right? Ostensibly. And there's military personnel in this movie. Undoubtedly. But then when you put them together... Military science. It becomes a complex. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a science military complex uh, issue with this movie. And uh, it's kind of highlighted in the film. I am separating this from the military industrial complex because it's more about controlling information. I mean, we have proven in the decades since this film that information is one of the most valuable resources. Yes. So they want to control knowledge and any resources or tools related to acquiring it. And we see that in this film and it's kind of like just assumed that they're going to be involved. And it is kind of true to reality. Like major scientific discoveries kind of have military personnel all up in there. True. Or these discoveries are often funded by the military. Yeah, I mean, governments like to uh, dip their fingers into that sweet, sweet blueberry pie. And what better finger to dip into that science pie than the barrel of a gun? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. That's all the nuance. That's the subtlety and nuance that the military can bring to an operation. It is the military. It's just the government gun. Yeah. That's the biggest gun. It's yeah. It's legal. There it is. Yeah, so like in reality, the military is funding the scientific discoveries uh, in the movie. And they are kind of sequestering everyone in this like military base underground that used to be a, a nuclear testing facility. And um, they're kind of like protecting the artifacts in somewhat in practice and in theory, but really what's going on is they want to control the narrative and they want to control who has access to these resources and this information. Well, yeah, naturally. You can't let that get in the hands of, say, like the people who lived in the culture that produced this stuff. Right. And so they're basically in control of the entire operation. And that's when Colonel Jack O'Neill, Kurt Russell, comes in and... Uh, Colonel Kurt. <laughs> he he basically takes control of everything. And that's when it really becomes more pronounced for some of the other characters who are the scientists and researchers that, yeah, we're really just like kind of being controlled and we're only allowed to work at their whims, pretty much. 
Right. The, rep- I, the representatives from the military that are there. I also feel like this movie was trying to be like a bigger human story because there's this whole, I feel like, poorly developed subplot about Kurt Russell's kid dying. Yeah. And that he is like suicidal about it. Yeah. Yeah. And like he has lost his purpose to live. And then the military just shows up and is like, hey, we got another job for you. And he just like finds a new lease on life. And I feel like the movie does not earn that subplot. That's true. And the problem with the military being at the forefront of scientific discoveries and cultural liaisons is that people in the military are trained for combat and for diffusing political situations in a very particular way. (laughs) And so that is going to be the response. Sure. Like, for example, if they if a country accidentally elects a socialist. Right. Right, right, right. The U.S. military can discreetly, diplomatically handle that. I mean, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you have to shoot all your problems, right? <laughs> just so we are, like, on the safe side. Yeah, we'll just go with the military does that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so they are kind of at the forefront of... In the movie of like, like kind of bringing in this white American colonizer perspective to the the this culture on the other planet. I will say that when Jack O'Neill is down and he's at his lowest point, the military shows up and is like, hey, want a purpose? Right. Oftentimes the military gets people who don't see another path for themselves. Yes, this part is very accurate to reality. And so when he's at his lowest is when he goes back to the military and he is still suicidal during the mission because he's willing to stay behind and blow himself up. He also isn't given much of a choice. They're like, we're reactivating you. They didn't really give him a choice about coming back or not. No. He doesn't push back at all, though. It's true. He slots back into the crew cut, like, seemingly effortlessly. Yeah. I think there is comfort when he was directionless in someone saying, this is who you are and this is what you do. Yeah. The problem that I see is that I feel like the only reason they have this subplot, I'm going to call it, with him losing his child is so that they have somebody who's willing to stay behind to blow up the stargate yeah Yeah. um and it just doesn't feel like that is a necessary plot point to me well so the military focus of like being involved in this project is they talk a lot about security and like the need to keep people safe yes but really what they want to do is control access to this new resource Sure. They don't know what's on the other side. They want information. They want to know what they need to do to protect us, humanity, but also what might be there that could be a resource. Before they go through, there is absolutely no evidence that it's a security risk or that there's any threat behind it. So the way that they kind of 
control this is by having more funds and they can provide a budget for uh, projects like this. And that's probably how they hook people. I mean, it's hard to, we don't know at what point they got involved. We just kind of like jump in and they're already there. Sure. The magic of filmmaking. And the idea that they would be providing the budget is just kind of implied. It's not explicitly stated in the movie. But um, the military does get more funding than other programs or organizations in our country. And um, so they're the ones who can like use that resource to control like what does get explored. That's right. And at the first thought that there could be trouble on the other side, they were just supposed to destroy the other Stargate. Yeah. Just at the first sign of trouble. True. I mean, we should kind of put this in the context of Emmerich's oeuvre of films, right? I mean, this is the director of Independence Day, Universal Soldier, The Patriot, the Godzilla that takes place in America. And then, like, following up into the, like, late aughts and early 2010s with the disaster movies, like, 10,000 BC and 2012. Couple real disasters, if you know what I'm saying. Whoa! (laughs) Like, this is a guy whose whole style is kind of American exceptionalism. Yeah. Devastating. (laughs) And, I mean, that's a perspective. I mean, this is a, a 94 film. This is hardly out of the norm for its time. Right. But it certainly provides an idealistic view of the world. It's just like, as humans, we're all so exceptional. Yeah. Just as sentient thinking creatures, we're pretty awesome. Yeah, it's true. So why does it have to just be Americans or white people, you know? Well, it goes back to the idea of manifest destiny and being chosen by God to uh, lead the world. You know what would have been sick? If the ancient Egyptians built the Stargate themselves. (laughs) Oh, and like found their way to the other planet? Where they found something dangerous that could have They could discover Ra there, maybe like an alien being. Oh, that's pretty fun. And they revolted against Ra there and won instead of in ancient Egypt. Yeah. And then they used his technology to create a whole new civilization there. Or it could have just been they did not like properly test their new invention and they got fucked over because they went through a Stargate they had just opened that day. I hate when that happens. <laughs> and didn't look at what's on the other side. And that could have been dramatic irony because the main cast did the exact same thing. Yeah. It was like, oh, you guys got fucked too, Lamau. <laughs> and then they do the L on the forehead yeah. dance to them. <laughs> Some of them are waiting in the temple. No, 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 don't let the portal close up. Oh, we've been stuck here for 2,000 years. Bummer. Unfortunately, Ra took away our education and now we're oppressed, right? Yeah, that's true. But like... Could have been sick.
right, guys, we've had a really good conversation, but I've got one more question I want to ask each of you. Chloe, is Stargate art? Well, I'm glad you asked. I think it is. Okay. And I think what it's trying to capture is this sort of like grandiose space sci-fi fantasy whimsy. Okay. I think it's supposed to be a cool adventure of like, look, we found this portal to another world. What could it possibly be? Yes. And it sends them sort of like a blast from the past in ancient culture, which is really cool, an ancient non-white culture with a spin on it, that there's an alien posing as their god. Right. right? And through these people trying to make discoveries, people who have had losses in their family, people who have been rejects but have finally made a breakthrough in this field. They come to this new world and they get to be heroes, stopping an oppression that has lasted for thousands of years. Right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It, uh, you know, it had a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think From the premise up. From... Uh, like maybe at the time it was released, people did not notice these things, the issues with it as much. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's certainly not a widespread noticing of them. I, I'm certainly a lot of people did. Probably a lot of non-white people did. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, this movie, I think, had a greater cultural influence rather than like its own standalone impact i don't think a ton of people have seen stargate these days i think the shows that it spawned were much more popular exactly it, one of those series had like nine seasons there was stargate stargate atlantis uh both of which i think were successful I had a pretty devout following yeah and those shows have a more diverse cast uh, they go to a lot of different planets, each one with sort of Monster of the Week style different cultures, which is interesting. And they explore more non-white cultures. I can't speak to how well they portray them. Yeah. As a premise, that seems like a much better idea. Yeah. Really cool. So I think this movie conceptually had some really interesting ideas, which influenced art down the road, no. like the show. So I think it did a lot of really cool stuff. It's just when examined through the lens of the modern day or just anyone who isn't white, anyone from a non-American culture, it's just like, what the fuck are you showing right now? Fair enough. And so I like conceptually, I love it. In practice, it really needs a lot of work. That makes sense. So. Yeah. I would love it to be remade, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it could use a rewriting history. Yeah, it could. What do you think, Cass? Is Stargate art? Artgate. <laughs> like Fartgate. Whoa! I think that it was trying to say something more about what humans are capable of and what could be out there. So in that way, I think it could be art. Because it's trying to say something. I think it falls flat in examining the biases of the dominant culture. I don't even think it's trying to. No. I think it is very comfortable with the dominant culture dominating. Yeah. Yes. C, uh, citation, Independence Day, created two years later. 
Right. It is trying to say some... It does say something about the human spirit. Mm-hmm. And how it's difficult to quash. And it says something about camaraderie and companionship. And how there are commonalities amongst people from different cultures. So even with all of our criticisms that we talked about earlier, they also showed how people can support one another, even if they can't fully communicate with each other. True. Uh, So that was there too. And so I think it is saying something about the human condition. So in that way, it could be art. Uh, Besides all the practical effects that make this a really neat film. Oh, yeah. Visually, we didn't even get a chance to really talk about the fact that this is an innovative visual spectacle. Yeah. Everything looked awesome. Yeah. I mean, and special effects, 1994, like limited computer graphics and stuff. Yeah. Um, Which they used on the portal uh, transportation. Zoom, 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 they say. (laughs) That's That's the sound the Stargate makes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For my money, I would say there's a lot of neat stuff here. The execution I've always kind of felt falls flat for me. I've always kind of seen this movie as kind of boring for an action movie. I feel like it takes a long time to get to the action and for a thinkier like adventure movie. I just think it falls flat completely. Yeah. I mean the action by that point, that's when the movie drags. It's so weird. And that's when um, the people are like fighting back against raw near the end. I mean, there's literally a better version of this movie, and it's called The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. Yeah. So they they tried to have some class struggle in this movie. Yeah. Between humans and aliens, not really examining this class struggle between the different groups of humans. Yeah, it it removes human responsibility too much for my liking, and it doesn't lean hard enough into, like, aliens as a threat to humanity that resembles a problem that we actually have here on earth. Right. And you know, they don't, none of the characters even think about all the children they murdered when they blew up Ra's ship. Oh, geez. (laughs) Got him. They never spare a thought to them. Yeah. At the end of the day, like this is, an artistic film in terms of its production. But as far as the story goes, it is far too much raw, raw American exceptionalism. Fix your problem with a bomb. Yeah. To qualify as what I'd say would be a story with like an important message to tell. Right. And that's Stargate. I mean, what can we say that we have not already said about it? I think it's meant to be a fun adventure movie, that, and that can be fine, but you, it can be dangerous if you don't kind of examine the biases that are inherent to it. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. There are parts of it that I think are fun, but when I see all the racist and pro-military stuff, my brain becomes the alien from Annihilation oh. a little bit. It's another movie that kind of does this whole plot better. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, guys, I'm really excited to continue on with another science fantasy movie in two weeks. Because we're going to be talking about, oh, you better fucking believe it's a Kingdom Hearts. It's going to be Tron. That's right. Wow. I was just thinking about Tron when I referenced de-aging using CGI. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Not that Tron. Original Tron. Yes. Yeah, it's not Tron Legacy. So we're going to be talking about Sora. We're going to be talking about (laughs) Donald and Goofy. We're going to be talking about Keyblades. Maybe Jeff Bridges and the MCU and... Yes. And Disney owns Marvel now, which is also the MCU. Yeah. It's all connected, guys. It is connected. It is connected. Holy shit. Well, he's losing his mind. I'm excited about that. But you know what else I'm excited for? What? Our skit next week. Yeah. You guys should check it out. We had a lot of fun making it, and I'm going to have a lot of fun editing it and creating a soundscape for it. That's right. We displayed a much more realistic portrayal (laughs) of what putting together an expedition like this would be like. Yeah. True. Exactly. It's like being a fly on the wall in a room full of people getting ready to go through a Stargate. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And if you like this episode and you like the skit, that we put out but you're just you're so hungry for more like we said earlier we got a little bit more on our patreon that's That's right right. just throw over that weird dollar bill that you can never get out of your pocket just slap it in there yeah (laughs) and if supporting us financially isn't something that's in your budget right now a big thing you could do to give us a hand would be to write us a review and slap it on to your favorite podcatcher and one thing you could do besides that is to tell your friends and family about the show. Spread the good word. It's always a good idea. Mm-hmm. That's right. We don't advertise, so you can do it for us. That's right. Thanks, old pal. <laughs> You're doing great. That's right. You're our friend now. You can't stop it. It is happening. We're best friends. Thanks, bestie. <laughs> hey, by the way, can I borrow $2 a month? well until next time hail Hail crumb. crumb